بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وصلوات الله وسلامه على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته so it's uh, great to be uh, back uh, home. Um, how many weeks? Less? Isn't it? Three. I think three. I think three weeks. Three weeks, right? 29th of March was the last lesson. No, it wasn't. I'm oh, sorry, 4th of April. No, it wasn't. No, it was a, it was a lesson last week. But the last time I was here. Don't just make out there's no lessons when I'm not here. Are we doing? What are you buttoning for? Wait, but now before, you know. Is it? Uh, 11th? 18th? So is that three weeks? Is that what counts as three weeks? Two lessons, three weeks. Okay, okay, no problem. Anyway, it's good to be back. And um, I wanted to... Uh, I'm very happy because I've seen many, many happy things. So I wanted to mention all these happy things. Okay? And I want to use a word that uh, Sheikh uh, uh, Walid, we're very uh, uh, lucky to be joined by Sheikh Walid. Um, for this class and he will share a few uh, insights uh, towards the end inshallah and but he has because coming from America he's introduced a word for us for me to use but I needed permission so I asked Shazad for permission and he's given me permission to use the word the word is yay okay yeah and he, you know yay that yay you said that it's okay to use you said that it's okay to use in a restricted yani, environment where people don't get the wrong idea too much. <laughs> anyway, so I want to say that first of all, congratulations and lots of yani, claps and yay to Bobby J for his little girl, mashallah. And uh, obviously she's now out of, she was not well. She went into very serious, yani, uh, uh, had the operation and um, alhamdulillah she's back home. Now, double, triple yay for anything Bobby J, because that means we get like the world's biggest yani. This means, I'm going to do my blacking again, eh? <laughs> right, so I don't even know what's happening. I think, even, I think even the tissues are weighing like, I think, two kilos, okay? So, you know, obviously, Bandar, I like this. This is Bandar Tiki, this is good. That he looks after the people, the masjid. And I'm looking at you because I know that you people don't care about these things. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so he has brought. I thought the man's going to cook something in the shop, some chops, a few cake, shake, yani, whatever. By the way, there's a debate going on. It's very important that we clarify this debate. I am saying that it's cake make, dal mal, qamam. But all the packs are saying it's cake shake, qam sham, whatever, whatnot. So it's a ma. Versus Sha. So where's it at? Where's the truth? So that's because you're all Punjabis, that's why. That's because you're all racist. You're all racist. Yeah, so what are you then? Yeah, the same thing. What is Memon and Punjabi? What's the difference between them? So anyway, the point is that you're all racist against Patans. Patans say meme. Who? Sha. What's Sha? What do you mean? Your Patan. Get out of here. <laughs> which Pukhtun says Shah? Give me one example in Pukhtun where they say Shah. 
Can you hear that? The guy puts his hand up, he goes, no, I'm Pukhtun, it's Shah. I said, give me one example because I can't speak Pukhtun. <laughs> Gasmir, unbelievable. That's just another level. I can't believe that level of just... No, 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 no. Anyway, forget it, it doesn't matter. So, round of applause for Bob's because he's bought like, I think, six types of chocolate and I don't know how many types of donut. I don't know what's happening here, bro. What's the plan here? You've got some celebrations and everything. And this goes to show that even if you don't like fiqh, just come to the masjid. <laughs> yep. Even if you don't like Yani Sheikh Abdul Ghafar's recitation or the fact that he's never here, still come to the masjid. Isn't it? It's a good thing. Yeah? Okay. What happens to this here, Bob's? How do we deal with this? Dig down. Dig down, yeah? This is for my happiness, isn't it? Is this my, Yani, my, uh, I was about to say, this is my gift for me coming back. But I didn't want to press that because I should be bringing some stuff back, isn't it? So let's not go there too far, okay? So we'll work out any sometime for that. We also want to say congratulations. Congratulations to Farah. MashaAllah. She did an awesome job at the conference uh, in Leeds and in London. I saw her, you know, walking around looking all important. I don't know what she was doing, but she's only, <laughs> yeah, certainly got a headset and walkie-talkie. And to be honest, didn't see anything done. But, but... It looked like she was like very important, you know. She refused to wear the like, you know, the t-shirt and the uniform and the whatever. And those normally are the supervisor folks, isn't it? Yeah, and those folks who refuse to wear the uniform. I know I've been there. You know what I'm saying? Definitely, there's important to wear your own clothes. It shows any seniority. So she was definitely wearing her own clothes. I think indicated something. Um, who else we want to? Yeah, we definitely want to give a big round of applause to Widad, who was a superstar on on Saturday and Sunday. We're going to show you some footage now of. <laughs> you know, so I just wish I wish I had some footage, but just the, the terror that ran through your veins just right now that you thought that I caught some footage. You see, because I was quite surprised as well. After I finished my lecture on both days, actually, well, obviously I wasn't surprised on the second one, but on the first one, as I finished my lecture, the LP trailer started playing. I don't know who requested that, whatever, I guess in Shazad, who's obviously still so knackered out from presenting that he didn't, didn't even bother coming. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Dr. Shazad, I mean, I mean, not, not Shazad Sleem. Yeah, he's in London. He's a black guy, he's not doing nothing. Anyway, so the LP trailer started, and of course, the yeah, was the only way that became superstar. Everyone was listening and whatever, whatnot. At that moment, we should have had a camera on with that because she was dying and going under this, this, the, the seat and whatever, whatnot. And in London, there could have been an even better opportunity for a bigger bestie and it, because she didn't want to do the voiceover that advert, but I forced her to. And so, you know what? She's now a superstar. She owes me, isn't it? But she did well. Who else can we give a round of applause to? Round of applause to Shazad Slim for turning up. Yeah. He apparently had a difficult day to come. So I think that's also important. Round of applause for Shafiq here in front of me because he was part of my Umrah group that just went and we came back. We survived. Yep. No Iranians, which is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. This is the greatest thing ever now going to the Haram these days. None of them yani, doing anything to pollute the place, which is brilliant. Uh, what else are we uh, happy about? We're happy for Sheikh Walid to be with us. That's a definitely yay moment. Yeah. Anything else? Khalas? The translation, the translation is complete. The translation is complete. Yeah, that's the yani, Allah Akbar moment in itself. That's an absolute yay. I tell you, I tell you, instead of yay, what we should be saying is yay. You know, we should say like this. I'm going to do my best impersonation now, okay? Give me one second. Ben Teke, um, yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you now that when my man scored, yeah, the winner against Liverpool, I just kept, I was just, I just have that thing going on in my mind. I'm not going to lie. I had a great weekend. 
It was a great Saturday. It was an even better Sunday. Liverpool losing and getting get, yeah, knocked out top four is going to be the greatest moment of this year. But she says, uh, Amin is not here to witness it. So that's the sad part. Anyway, Baharhal, look at all these people trying to diss me. Right, okay. Come on, Yara, bring up the, uh, the old... Um, also, we're very happy to have Sheikh Huda uh, Ghaffar back. That's also very nice. You guys wouldn't have noticed, but he went away. And if there's one thing that Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar, but I think the only person who knows, but let me just tell you that I hate nearly more than anything else in the world. Maybe a two notches down from how much I hate Katie Hopkins, but something maybe a little bit down is that I am here and Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar is on holiday. That's the worst, worst, worst feeling in the world. And the best feeling in the world is that when I'm not here, I'm out of the country, and so's he. And that when I come back, he's here. And I feel so happy and relaxed. Just wanted to share that with you. So it's a great moment to see that he's here. So do you guys want to do some fiqh today? Yeah, the best. Huh? When I'm here, you are on holiday out of the country. Ah. Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar in a unfortunate jab to my uh, mid-region. He uh, said, you know what, my best Yanni moment is my happiest moment. He goes, when you're not here and your father is. There's no need for that, is there? <laughs> I mean, there's just, I mean, you know, we was keeping it all friendly and all, you know, above board. There was no need for such an ungentlemanly conduct. Ungentlemanly conduct. Be-de-be-be-de-be. Isn't it? Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, upset, upset me now. Now, how am I going to teach? Okay. We are in a new section, folks, okay? It is this paragraph selected, Ya Shahzad Salim. Do you even know? That's the, that's the question, yeah, find it, go on. Yeah, you're cussing me for notes, yeah? Find it, go on. Or you'll find it. Arabic. Skin, Richara. Yeah, I help him out, Zafar. Tell, tell me one second. We're going to wait all day for you to find the, the text. Wait, two months to your notes. It's the bottom paragraph. That one, that, that one right there. That one. Yeah, that one. Okay. So the Mu'allif, he says, وَيَحْرُمُ إِسْتِعَمَالُ مَنْسُوجٍ أَوْ مُمَوَّهٍ بِذَهَبٍ قَبْلِ إِسْتِحَالَتِهِ وَثِيَابِ حَرِيرٍ وَمَا هُوَ أَكْثَرُ ظُهُورًا على الذكور لا إذا استويا ولضرورة أو حكة أو مرض أو حرب in our copy of the text أو حشوا أو كان علما أربع أصابع فما دون أو رقاعا أو لبنة جيب وسجف فراء ويكره I just want to show you something in Arabic. Go back up, Shaz. Uh, if you have previous sets of notes that you have downloaded, as opposed to uh, whatever, I want you to be careful because if you just, Arba, uh, if you can just select that, the second, uh, the last line, the last word in the second line, Shaz. Okay? This in the previous one has Arba'a It should be Arba'u. It has been corrected here. Why is it not selecting shots? Okay, all right. So they see it online. They will see it online. 
So that's yeah. He used to say before, and more correct is The translation of that. Sick translation, Bismillah, mashallah. But say mashallah, don't put nazar on my translation, and then later it all turns out wrong. Okay? So, um, up, 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 Shaz. No, the other way, up, up, yeah. yeah. So, garments, this is the translation of the text. Garments that have been knitted or plated with gold are impermissible, unless it has undergone a transformation, meaning the gold. Garments made of silk, or that which the majority of it appears to be from silk, are also impermissible for men, except in the following cases. If the amount of silk and non-silk is equal, for a necessity of some sort, darura, for for itching, for medical conditions, okay, in war, for use as stuffing, in embroidery, which is four finger widths or less, for patches, for bordering, yeah, for bordering. Okay? These are the exceptions. And then a new line, new section. It is disliked to wear yellow and saffron dyed garments. The dyed is incidental, to be honest, just saffron and yellow. Okay? So we'll talk about that when we get to it in terms of colors and things like that. You've got to understand something, by the way. All right? For the last few, uh, um, we call obviously the class, the class logical progression. And you will see some level of discipline in that when folks ask questions that I know are coming up later or should be coming up later. Uh, because why do I say should? You might say you should know. Yani you're doing it. You've taught it. You studied it. But... Uh, actually, that's not the case because uh, what I always in, try to do with the class is that um, I'm not beforehand, like three, four weeks in advance, I'm not sure just how much I can put on to the text itself. So you saw what I did with the last kind of couple of lines. I've put the full works on. I've put on makeup and cosmetics and uh, pictures and models and... You know, I did the full thing, but the text itself just says, Yeah, so I mean that logically, when we go through this text, there are certain things that will come in its right time that get dealt with properly at that right time. So, for example, on the issue of colors, then there will be its right time to deal with that. There is no other later section in this entire text, all 15 volumes, all, all you know, uh, one volume of the Zad al Mustaqni itself the text itself, the matan, where colors come into the, the, the game. And I knew that cosmetic was not going to, cosmetics was not going to come up and, ma- and makeup and, and pictures. So that's why we went into so much yani, immense detail last time. You can also see the difference in quality. So for example, I mentioned slightly, and I made the mistake of doing that, like maybe a couple of months ago, we were talking about clothes and whether it's possible to pray with clothing that had things, and I said, put, you know, cover it, etc. I gave a very basic answer, which was one of safety, safety, yet when we come to the actual class, uh, you know, the, the text itself, and we're going to now overload it with everything to do with pictures, you saw that I said it's permissible to, to wear Lacoste polo and pray with it, even though it is showing. Even though I said 
that to go against uh, to to go in line with our principle of being a safe side, then to cover it is going to be better. However, if a person is in that case, the prayer is uh, permissible because it is uh, as we covered the hadith, except if there is something small, a small logo or small picture on the thaw. So you see the difference in quality. So I think it's important that you understand that we take certain subjects and we load them at that time, even though you guys might want a detailed answer beforehand. Best to wait for it then, and it's better in quality. Right, okay. Let's talk about this then. It is impermissible to use um, garments that have been knitted or plated with gold. Okay, this is referring to men, first of all. All right, not females. Females are allowed to use gold unrestrictedly. Okay, unrestrictedly. Um, now, Sheikh Uthameen, he basically says, you know, mansukh bidhahab is that thing which has been uh, stitched with gold uh, thread. It doesn't matter whether this is on the entire thob or just yani, on the collar on top of page 209. Yani, so the cuff. Okay. Or in any the Prophet said that gold and silk has been made permissible for the, for the females of my nation and it has been prohibited upon its males. Okay, it has been prohibited upon its males. This hadith has been narrated by Imam Ahmed and Nasa'i and so on and so forth. And I want to say to you that, as you can see in the text uh, of Sharh al-Mumti', that there's a huge amount of discussion over this hadith. And that is because in its asanid, there are some yani, inconsistencies and also in its text. However, there is no difference of opinion whatsoever in the authenticity of the meaning of this narration and uh, the other more authentic narrations that make it clear that gold and silver is impermissible for men. This is a consensual point. A consensus point, rather. Okay, there is absolutely no difference of opinion on this matter. Right. So, I want to talk a little bit about something before we get into what Sheikh Uthameen gets into, because he's now going to go in big time into the issue of beautification, gold, and uh, effeminate kind of realities. So, the first thing I just want to clarify, because I'm not an expert in this whatsoever, you'll be really surprised to hear, is gold stitching and th- threading. Is that a thing? Yeah. yeah? How what, 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 how how did they make the thread out of gold? Um, so my grandmother had like this shawl that has gold thread on it. It's embroidered. With so what is the thread itself plated? Yeah, the thread seems to be gold plated. So how is it flexible? Um, I don't know, but when they take the stitching out, they actually take it to the jewelers who melts it down. So you can actually get the gold back from the cloth and the embroidery. Ajib. Okay, there you go. So that's the thing. And you know, people do that. Okay, all right. There's been a lot of bridal clothes in Pakistan as well. There's been a lot of money in the school plated, you know, the design. Right, right. Okay, so. This time over here, you had a gold shirt. And you got bad to death as well, which is more interesting for me. Yep. That will teach him a lesson, isn't it? We do not advocate any capital punishment in this. Uh, there's gold. There's gold. There's gold thread in the cab. I don't know how they how they make it so flexible. I always understood that it was a uh, very thin, thin uh, gold on thread. I don't know what else is gold thread. What else is gold thread other than 
gold on thread. I mean, it could just be like a gold wire, but it's so thin that it just is really flexible. And that's flexible, of course, yeah. because obviously it's used in, in, as you said, wires. Okay, maybe, but I don't think it, I don't think that's the case. And the only reason I say that is because why would you use gold thread? So you can see that it looks like gold thread. If you were to, you know, if you were to sew it with gold wire, then it, it wouldn't look like a wedding dress. It'd look like something that that weirdo with Vivian Westwood would have just created. You know, some kind of, you know, way overpriced, yeah, you know, yeah? All right, anyway. So this is, okay, go on then, Chaz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on, gold thread manufacture. Can make sure everyone can hear it. Can everyone hear it? What's the point of doing that if we can't hear it? Play it, huh? If you don't know how to do it, just display it so that I can see it. Everyone else doesn't matter. So it is real thread. No, 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 it is gold thread. At least, and yeah, maybe you can give them the URL and then they can watch it themselves. But like, okay, it's clear that they're making actual real gold thread. So that must mean that the gold thread is is. So, but I mean, gold obviously one of its its highest characteristics or its best characteristics for why it's so uh, sought after is that it's ex- extremely malleable. You can you can you know do everything to it. So I guess that's the, I guess that's what's going on. All right. Um, and there's a, a guy obviously wearing it, and there's the point. I mean, there is a particular, and actually, this is good. Were you, did they see, are they able to see that? I, I can put it up for no, no. Did they see it? No. Did, nothing. Nothing. No pictures from it at all. No. So, okay. Uh, uh, what I just saw was not just also gold thread, but also g- gold embroidery, and I think that's important because we're going to be coming to that in uh, in a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. So, what's the problem? What's the, what's uh, uh, the, the the author saying? That we cannot be using gold thread and we can't be using gold plating. Okay, gold plating on the actual cloth. Now, this is for males. What about gold plating for watches? Because we know that it is impermissible for um, for males to wear the full yani shabam as well, right? Let what does what does uh, Sheikh say? He says. Why is it? Why does this hadith yani, uh, that gold and silver has been allowed for my for the females of my nation and prohibited for its males? We're gonna get now some awesome politically correct sickness right now. Okay, this is like you know this is I think the smackdown. He goes, men are in absolutely no need whatsoever to decorate themselves with gold. إذن, إنه, okay, <laughs> this is the sixth statement. إنه يتحلى له ولا يتحلى هو لأحد. He goes, they are beautified for, they don't beautify themselves for nobody. What a sick statement. What a shot. My guy is a boss. Huh? Listen to the statement that يعني, your sheikh has, has, has said. الرجال الرجل إنه يتحلى له ولا يتحلى هو لأحد. If he said that in America, Sheikh, what would happen? He'd be fired. Fire, fire Sheikh Uthaymin. So, anyway, obviously, I'm not going to comment about that because that's far too, 
يعني politically incorrect for someone who is so يعني mashallah I'm so gender whatever the word is يعني myself okay I can't say that but then of course this is his, his interpretation I just want to say to you that this ayah is an incredibly interesting one and is not do not open it right now okay don't say anything about it right now and this is because what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says في وصف الأنثى in describing females أَوَمَنْ يُنَشَّأُ فِي الْحِلْيَةِ وَهُوَ فِي الْخِصَامِ غَيْرُ مُبِينَ I mentioned this ayah last week and the week before. And the translation can be some, someone talking about females. And that's of course a discussion. Is the ayah talking about females or not? But that's the majority. Someone, meaning females, who is brought up amongst hilya. Uh, you know, people... One, one of the translators translated it as trinkets. Someone has translated it as ornaments. Someone has translated it as beauty. I don't know how to translate this. I know exactly what the ayah is trying to say. It's trying to say that yani, they are cultivated, females are cultivated into beauty. Right? Meaning that beauty surrounds them and is part of their actual tarbiyah. It's like an intrinsic part of their raising that they recognize beauty, they beautify things, they are whatever. You know, I tell you something, by the way. I have to say it because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears and knows everything. I was I I was harsh on Sheikh Uthameen last week. I think last week or the week before. You know, I said that uh, on, uh, I mentioned that dolls, that girls play with dolls. And I said, Sheikh Uthameen said that that's, we give a concession to young girls because it gets them ready for motherhood. Yeah? Last week. Yeah, last week, yeah. And it gets them ready for motherhood. And I said, I, I don't know about that. That's a bit kind of, you know, patriarchal, a bit backward, this, that, whatever. The truth of the matter is, is that, I mean, I have girls, but I didn't really kind of think about this until the other day. And I see Hiba, my youngest, uh, you know, two, she's just turned three, and she's got a baby thingy, and my days, man, she loves that thing. And she's cleaning its backside, and she's giving it milk, and she's yani, clothing it, and whatever, whatnot, okay? And I can tell you now that that was there in the house, and the other boys didn't do anything like that. I'm just talking about my own household, where there was no kind of pressure to, you know, the, on what, choo- what, what uh, toys to choose and to play with. So it clearly is, there is something there internal, I don't know where it works, how it comes, but there's something with girls that they genuinely, when they get hold of a doll, they start to go into mother kind of mode, right? So, you know, and I said that, I don't know, Sheikh Uthameen, I mean, maybe that's the Saudi culture that I'm seeing at home in my own house, yani here, how can I blame yani that kind of culture when it's so prevalent here? So, I take that back if that sounded a bit harsh. So here, what is uh, uh, being stated that they are yunashau fil hilya, that they are they grow up surrounded by ornaments and things of beauty, and they always like you don't say to a boy you look so beautiful, you look so beautiful, but the girls are always being told day and night, day and night, absolute all the time. I literally I don't say anything else except Iman uh, Hiba comes and she twirls around in her whatever. Oh, you look so beautiful, you look so beautiful. She gets so happy and she goes. I don't know where that came from. I certainly didn't intentionally create this, but she wants and she, she comes and she will say to me, Baba, you look beautiful. You know, I know that sounds shocking to you guys, but it's just accept it for its yani, on its own merits. Okay. And, you know, so there's obviously something there that throughout life, likewise, she feels the need. She feels the need. And that is correct to say 
to add forms of beautification. She feels a desire to use makeup. It's not like she's forced to use makeup or forced to use jewelry. Whereas a male never has that desire or need. Don't look at today's kind of metrosexual kind of guy or the whole gay scene, you know, as your, as your asal. You look at your basic male kind of reality. Is that based on the daughter following the mother and the, and the father? I don't think so. I don't, th- I don't think so. No, no, and TV and everything. So, so TV is Western here. I mean, TV is the worst thing. I, th- I mean, believe me, I've been watching, I've been watching more CB. Bro, if you're watching CBBS 24-7, yeah, which I do, by the way, okay? All of the adverts... Now, first of all, there are no adverts on CBBS. What I'm talking about. Um, uh, like, even the other channels like Disney and Teen Tots and all that kind of stuff, yeah? Their, their adverts are also controlled by the whole kind of, you know, whatever makes more money and who's got a bigger budget... And you know that those guys, they go all out. You're not, see- you're not seeing responsible parenting in the adverts of, you know, or trying to promote this kind of, you know, motherly kind of role for, for kids. It's all about whatever's cool and however we can make some money, right? So um, before, yes, I remember watching a program that used to compare the adverts, yeah, I knew, of 50 years ago in black and white versus the ones that are now. And you can see that society was very much playing a major role in the advertising. So it was very much uh, 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 good for business to promote the female as a female, for example. Now, are you flipping kidding me? <laughs> There's a Time magazine in the, in, the, in the foyer of the masjid. I don't know whether someone's put them there. I think I know who's put, put, who puts them there. He reads them, then he leaves it in the masjid because he likes people to read, which is good. Except that the one that he put on top of the pile, Yanni, is a, is a woman who looks like a man, and it's saying that, is he a he or a she, or do we need to create a third role? And I'm like, you know, this is obviously, you know, the big thing at the moment. Allow kids to, to you know, create their own gender determination nonsense. Yeah? So uh, I'm just saying that, there's, you know what it is? That's a nonsense, and we've got to be very strong and clear about this, this idea of kids determine their own gender, and that rubbish. Okay, that's the liberal bakwas. And in fact, my both my lectures on Saturday and Sunday both of my lectures were effectively controlled or, or inspired by the rise of this gender rubbish, this gender determination nonsense. Yeah? So we can't continue like that. Um, the, the, you know, the reality of, of us trying to say that we need to be fairer to girls or we need to be afraid of what the school says and all this kind of nonsense. Absolute rubbish. Got to make it very, very clear who people are, what, who the kids are, what their, their identity is, yeah, and make sure that they are able to yeah, any, uh, be confident in exactly yeah, who they are and not the messages that they might be getting from school. Anyway, the point is, is that there is something natural and genetic and whatever you want to call it, that clearly a woman, she goes towards that direction, even though, frankly, you know, men... There are of different types. Some men really insist on that kind of thing, but many don't. And many get very tired of that whole scene. And women are just, you know, they're sometimes not so sure. Is it really, do they want me to do this? Do they want me to do that? So the whole thing's a mess. Anyway, so then Sheikh will continue. I'm going to translate word for word so that it's clear that you don't you know, cuss me and that you see where the words are coming. So she says, he says, A, yurabba fil hilya. Okay, so they are literally you know, brought up and they grow up in adornments, ornaments, trinkets, beautification. It's their whole life. And the woman, she's the one 
التي تحتاج إلى أن تتزين وتتحلى. She is the one who needs, Sheikh Uthameen says, to beautify herself and to adorn herself with things. As for the man, it's not necessary for him to break رجولته, his manliness with this kind of stuff, right? So Sheikh Uthameen obviously is going for a, a, an idea that the, 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 the picture of the male, certainly in Saudi culture at that time, 20 years ago, odd, is this kind of rugged, male, rough, not into beautification and cutting and, you know, the, the things that we associate with Mr. Metrosexual, Mr. kind of whatever today who is modeling clothes, yeah, and so on. So it, sh- it shouldn't break his manliness to the level that he to the level that he descends to the to the point of women who have to have to change the softness of the material that they wear to go with their uh uh to go with their uh, uh, uh to, to go with their um nature. nature yeah their nature and the wearing of gold and so on and so forth and he said uh, Sheikh Uthameen continues, he goes, as for the uh, uh, um, the, par- the prohibition here, then it, 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 this, is, this is obviously referring to all forms of gold. So Sheikh Uthameen says that anything that a person wears is impermissible, whether that is a ring of gold or a necklace of gold or, or a chain, silsila, or khursan, yani earrings, or anything which is similar to that. So all forms of the of of, of uh, jewelry, any forms of the clothes, it is impermissible, and that's because the Prophet ﷺ said in Sahih Muslim on the, had- the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas that the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, he saw a khatiman min dhahabin fi yad rajul, yani he saw a ring, a gold ring on the hand of a man, and so he tufanazahu fatarahu, he took it off and he threw it away, and. The, the, the Prophet ﷺ said that would you want yani, uh, one of you to grab a coal, uh, uh, a coal from the fire and hold it in his hand? Would any one of you actually intentionally go and do that? Yani, would you be so crazy to do that? I.e., yani, you wearing gold as a male, effectively is it doing that? You're literally picking up something like that and holding it. Okay, So uh, after the Prophet ﷺ had left, then a man said to the one who had had it ripped off his finger, pulled off his finger, he said, Yalla, go and get your ring and at least yani, take some benefit from it. Yani, Mote it down, sell it. And she said, La wallahi, I swear by Allah, no, I will never ever touch that or take it after the Messenger of Allah has thrown it away. So that of course was there, the itiba of the of the of the Prophet. Anyway, to continue, and then he says, uh, anything which is gold plated, yani mumuwahin bidahab. So anything which is gold plated in any kind of way. So I don't think of gold. Uh, don't think of armor. Think of you know these you know that, that Indian guy you just saw. Did they see it? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you show me a picture, you gotta show it to them, man. What are you showing it to me for? Yeah. So you saw that Indian guy. Someone beat him to death for some reason. I don't know why. Because of the gold. Anyway, you'll see it in a minute. He's got all kind of gold, kind of you know, Sherwani gold. Huh? The shirt was made of gold. The well, shirt was made of gold, and it looks like it's plated and whatever, whatnot. So obviously, not just thread, but gold being expressed in its own kind of other ways. All right. Um, but then the sheikh says something interesting, which I found also nice. Okay. So there's my, there's my man. Obviously, he's lost the plot completely, as you can see. Huh? Mister T. Mister T. 
<laughs> He's more than Mr. T. That guy's crazy, bro. I don't know how pet anyone walks around looking like that. So obviously, it's kind of a thing. But he said, istihalatihi. Sheikh Uthameen says that well, this is an interesting addition to the point. Meaning, istihala, of course, as we said, is a change so significant that it doesn't resemble what it was before. Okay? Now, how does gold change? You've got, yani, who, where's, the, where's the chemical kind of guys here? Who's the, the, the you know, the, the thing? Right? Gold doesn't change. You can burn gold, right? It doesn't change. It's not like, a, it's not like gelatin or whatever, that you add, uh, you know, something to it. Okay? Uh, gold will, uh, sorry, that it will completely lose its, uh, its uh, original nature. Gold will only change when you add things to it. Okay. However, what will change with gold, which is really interesting, is that if you burn it enough, you will burn off its color. Okay. And Sheikh Uthameen here says that if there was a uh, uh, a long length of time that had passed, a huge length of time, because gold obviously is very stable, very inert. Okay. So it doesn't, yeah, you know, and you react with anything, right? Um, so he goes, لو أنهما عطول الزمن تأكل وذهب لونه that yani, it started to wear away and the color had gone and uh, its remaining color now is not the color of gold and uh, if it was then yani, uh, 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 yani, uh, a person tried to kind of uh, um, what's the word? Mold. Uh, mold it tried to mold it again and you know it stretches and then you kind of bring it out and you can't bring the gold kind of reality out and it's uh, color out then this is permissible to wear this is permissible to wear okay now here's the interesting thing that came to me obviously gold is not always gold colored and I don't know how white gold is white I've never seen it it looks like silver, right? Okay. So the problem with that, now I can't remember the percentages. If I remember correctly, it has nickel, which has been molded to it as an alloy, which turns it into white gold. Okay. But the dominant, uh, the dominant uh, 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 ingredient, what's the word I'm looking for? Dominant substance yeah, is, is actual gold itself, proper, pure gold. So the point here is, this, according to Sheikh Uthameen, there's two characteristics that will be istihala of gold. The color going, and when it's molded, it does not become molded. It's not malleable like gold. So white gold would still be impermissible. Because even though it hasn't got the yellow color of gold, or the golden color of gold, it still is malleable, and you're able to you know, deal with it. You know, it doesn't become brittle, for example, etc., like gold. I think that's very interesting. Right, then Sheikh then says, وَثِيَابُ حَرِيرٍ And therefore also uh, uh, silk, Clothes. And this is, Sheikh Uthameen says, pure silk. And when he says pure silk, he means by that, natural silk. He goes that it is definitely meaning natural silk and not artificial silk. Because pure silk comes only from the silkworm. And that, that is ghali wa na'im. It is incredibly, uh, uh, it is expensive, rare. And na- yani, it is something which, um, in its touch, in its in its feel, you can tell immediately that this is the yani, the real the real deal. So, the, of course, now Sheikh Uthameen is making a statement, and it is clear from his fatawa. I know that very well that he was one of those scholars that allowed artificial silk. Okay. Now, this is interesting. This is a discussion of the fuqaha, of course. That is it, yani, something which uh, the 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 illa, right, for prohibition is the illa for prohibition. The, the fact that it's silk, and so if it's not silk, then surely it's allowed. 
Or is it the expression? Is there illa that it is creating a feeling, a reaction, a desire? And I have to say to you, personally speaking, okay, even though I, even though I accept that Sheikh Uthameen's position is the correct position, okay, that artificial silk is permissible, I think it needs to have restrictions. Okay? Now, our major exposure to artificial silk is in ties for males. Nothing really else than that. It doesn't come as shirts. People don't get artificial silk shirts and anything else, as far as I know. Anyone know it different? Artificial silk used mostly for males? Ties, yeah? Okay. So, um, I think in that sense, I think Sheikh Uthameen's uh, fatwa is spot on. And the use of a tie is a very minimal kind of reality. It's not something which is touching the skin. It is on top of another piece, which is very, very important that you will see in a second. Okay? So for me, I'm comfortable with that. But I don't want people to walk away with the idea that artificial silk is permissible. In my opinion, I mean. Okay? Even though Sheikh Uthameen's opinion is very clear. And actually, many of the scholars support this. That if it's not silk, it's not silk. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Whereas I'm trying to say that what if we are able to reach a stage soon to create an a artificial silk fabric that, that is worn on the skin, which no one but no one can determine whether it's real or not. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sheikh Uthameen will say it doesn't matter, it's not real silk. It didn't come from a silkworm. The expert will be able to look at it. He will say it's not that value, it's not that this, that, whatever. I say that's what the expert will tell. But what's the actual reason that this is prohibited? It's effeminate behavior. It's what it creates in you. And if you study, I mean, I was, when I was in Pakistan recently, um, it, was, it wasn't the first time, but I was really exposed, okay, to the, to the culture of, trans, uh, of transgender kind of folks, okay? Uh, I don't mean hermaphrodites. Have I said that right then? Not trans, cross-dressers or trans... Transgender is... is what's transgender? Cross-dressers are like males who will dress as a female. What's a transgender? Transgender is... They hermaphrodite. Women and they want to look like women. No, no, Oh, so they've had physical surgery. Not necessarily. They, they would consider themselves a transgender female even without the surgery. Either because they have... They no feel idea. like that. Yeah. Right, got you. Yeah. So they, meaning they're not hermaphrodites, are they? No. Yeah, okay, good. So then, then transgender is the word I want. So transgender and cross-dressing folks, okay, in Pakistan, it is shooting through the roof. So we have this issue of hermaphrodites. Okay, hermaphrodites have been existing in our culture and in our fiqh, the books are full of that and dealing with that reality and that issue and so on and so forth. We've covered that in so much detail two years ago. But what's happening now, and it's a massive increase actually in countries like Pakistan, is that there are completely normal people, or I don't know if they're normal or not, but they are cross-dressing and coming out as transgender people. And the reason for that is charity. Because they get more sadaqah than your standard normal folks. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying, this for me, that's why I said, for me it was the first time that I was exposed to this kind of reality, meaning that I was looking out for it, people were telling me, and I started to notice. It's like that, you know, you don't see a car until you want to buy that car, then every single car that you see on the street is that car, right? That's the point. <laughs> so now that I'm seeing everyone like that, it's, you know, you know everyone's a flipping hermaphrodite or transgender, whatever, I couldn't get out of my head. You know, yesterday I was in, on Ilford Lane, yeah? Obviously, I was, I was brought up on Ilford Bloody Lane, okay? It was a nice lane. It was like a nice, nice Wilmslow Road. I was driving, and you know, the, you, know, the, you know the sign that comes up on the motorway that says, slow down, or 50, or, you know, the, 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 the LED one that changes. Don't drink and drive, 
uh, if you're tired, put up. So there's a big one of those on the pavement of Ufad Lane. And it suddenly says, a, be a, 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 a warning, curb crawling is illegal. Hafu bloody hell. Curb crawling on Ilford Lane and a flipping big dirty kickoff sign on the pavement. Yeah? Well, after that, of course, I'm looking at every single woman on the left hand side I'm thinking, is this person one of those? Is this person one of those? Every single person now I'm looking at. And we pulled up and parked up to go into a shop, to go into, uh, to get to eat. And whilst we're uh, in the car just making a decision, there's a woman there. She was like standing outside the car. No, she didn't say nothing to us at all. Okay, she, but she was waiting. And I said to my man, I said, is that, is that what I think it is? He goes, I don't know. I go, what's happened to this bloody road? We went in, we ate, we come back out, she's still there. I said, yeah, no, that's, you go through, it puts me in a whole point of paranoia. Yeah, and I'm skin and she might have just been waiting for whoever, right? But now every single woman that I saw on Ilford Lane, it was a potential, you know, whatever. So I just want to say that I think that people yeah, and you lose the plot when you start to mentally think of something, right? In any case, the point is, is that these, these transgender folks, whatever, you can see that they really, really push gold and silk to try and help them actually come across. Their voice is not like, hey, ah. Yeah, gay bakwas, yeah. That's not their normal voice. That's not a normal voice. I mean, is that if you were to slap one, I'm not saying you go and slap one, but I'm saying if you were, you would say, Oi! That's what you'd say. You would say, Oi! He wouldn't say that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah? He, yeah they might. But the point is, is that, yeah, and he, you know, it's, it's that old trick, you know, when someone's trying to pretend, you know, that he's not the person who called his name out, all of a sudden he turns around. Yeah, and when you catch someone off guard, that's their natural reality. So what helps create that persona? It is these things. There's no doubt about it. And once you have all this kind of softness, blah de blah, then you've got a problem. Right, that's in the clothes. I think all men understand that and they're happy to move on from that. We can use art, uh, uh, you know, silk, artificial silk ties. That's a nice, they're nice designs in there. It's nothing to feel. You never feel it. You never see it. It's on top of your clothes. No problem at all with that. But I think if you come across an artificial silk shirt, I want to say to you that even many of the scholars, even those that said it's har- uh, permissible, many of them said that out of ihtiyad, you should avoid it. You need to avoid thinking. But I'm not going to say it's haram. Yeah. Um, Private so joke. Is, is, it, is it more? You've got two things there. So you've got the feel. Yep. And you've got the look. Yep. If it's underwear, for example, you might feel it, but you're not going to see it. Yep. Is that more of an issue, less of an issue? <laughs> Why'd you have to go there, bro? Why'd you. I don't think that's me, man. Silk bloody underwear for males. <laughs> I think that's the worst. I <laughs> <laughs> he goes, ask, 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 he goes, what's all that about? What is all that about, Yara? We have lost control in this dance, bro. There's no one allowed ever to ask about Shazad's silk underpants except me. Okay? No one. No, oh, right, he was asking about ties. You know, his ties, ties, ties. He was talking about ties. What was he saying about ties? Yeah. No, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'm just saying, no one is allowed to talk about Shazad Silk and Abba other than me, and that's what we do in private. It's not for public any uh, consumption. So I'd ask you to respect that, okay? But it's not great, is it? 
Yeah. Yeah. According to Sheikh Uthaymeen, okay, not allowed, okay, and and that's why when he said uh, in his opening line, uh, uh, along with the Hanabila, all right, their idea is that it doesn't have to be majority gold, part gold, but as long as real gold is there and it comes across, frankly, gold plating, what happens? You can't tell whether the thing is gold all the way through or it's not. That guy is going to have to say to you because what will you say? You say, is that real gold? He says. Nah, it's gold playing, right? So what, what is that? You've got the impression that you wanted. You're starting to feel what you're feeling. You're touching that in the way that you're, you're, you're using it, okay? Remember, we said in, in the, the second or third year, it's permissible to use gold in this and that and to eat and blah, blah. We, we would discuss that in a lot of detail, gold then. But now we're talking a very different use of gold. Gold in its feminine way. A silk in its feminine reality. So the question that we should be asking now is, that, is it just gold? Is it just clothes? What about pillows, cushions, the sheets, and all that kind of stuff? What do you reckon about that? What do you think? Should the illa continue? Is there, yani, you know, should we base it upon an illa or should we look for a hadith? What should we do? Okay, so now you're saying that if, if, if silk was impermissible because of other people's perceptions, then it's no problem because it's not being seen. We pause there and we say, who on earth said that silk was about other people's perception? That, I mean, it is a from This is where we dif- differentiate between the hikam and the ilal, the wisdom of something being prohibited, i.e. what other people think when they see it. But the illa, we are confident that the illa is the effect on you as a person. What it does to you, yani, in terms of... And I think that will become clearer when you see the exceptions. When you see the exceptions, those exceptions are such realities that even if you are feeling a negative because of the silk and it was changing your kind of whole, you know, mizaj, okay, it's not because you are actually in need and you will feel pain for some other reason, if that makes sense. Yeah. And to the Prophet ﷺ, he said, uh, sorry, uh, uh, in the Hadith Bukhari, uh, the Prophet ﷺ prohibited that not only are we prohibited to wear dibaj and harir and silk and so on and so forth, but we were also prohibited to sit on it as well. And so now, that's why there is a consensus. Imam al-Nawabi said, a consensus, except one, one statement from Ibn Rushd, yeah, that the, the sitting on the uh, cushion, which is silk, is impermissible. But then they said, okay, what about sheet? Sheet is not something that you sit on. It's something that you pull over and so on. And they took the hadith literally, right? They said if the hadith means only that which is sat upon, then silk, you know, drapes that you touch and so on and so forth. Or not, sorry, not drapes, but things that you are, you know, holding and touching, then all of those, yani, should be permissible because it's only the hadith. My, my opinion is, is that a silk pillow, a silk sheet, these are problematic, even though, yes, there is no nas which clearly, absolutely states that these are impermissible, but it's something which we should be really careful about. Because there's no doubt that when a person touches and feels a silk sheet, it's the same thing. You know, he holds it soft and holds it close to his face and all the rest of it, whatever. I think it's an area of concern. We can't say it's out and out, yeah, any impermissible, because the nas talks about wearing it, you're not wearing it, and the nas says that you can't sit on it, you're not sitting on it. But then you've got a sheet. Where does that fall into? Some people said that when you put the sheet around you, what are you doing? You're wearing it. 
you're touching it, you're physically, yani, you know, in contact with it. So, anyway, go on. Ladies is permissible. Ladies, it is permissible in every single form. In every single form, without any exception. For males, it is impermissible, except in the list that is now going to come. Just yes. Salah, Sheikh. Okay, 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 yeah. Imitation silk is only that if it was like looking like real silk, then that would be problematic. So when we have imitation gold jewelry now, which really looks like real gold, for for males, males or, yeah, males, is that problematic? Yeah, uh, uh, because it's just metal. Yeah, uh, the, the question is, is that okay? Silk, you're saying that you know, if silk looks like silk, I, I, to be honest, I'm not so fussed about the looking like, but the artificial. When we talk about artificial, I'm worried about the feeling like because artificial silk is halal. But if you're wearing a silk artificial shirt that has got to the level that it's got to silk or beyond, mm-hmm. then that kind of feeling is like, you know, it's not a man's feeling. A man should not be feeling like that. Yeah? I mean, I'm only speaking from personal experience. When I've touched silk on my body, bleh, you know, I don't like that whole gay scene at all. Right? I just don't like it. So I, that's what I, I, I guess is the feeling that we're coming to. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So... What were we saying? Artificial artificial gold or gold imitation. Those things which come across as gold, whatever. You see, here's the problem. Once you start to lose confidence in imitation stuff and start to consider all of it impermissible or makroo, then you're going against the nos. The nos does not talk about imitation and is allowed. We have to be careful about our sharia that we do not make impermissible that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed. However, we also have our senses and we should see that if there are certain things or whatever that are creating an impact which is similar, then out of ihtiyat we should stay away. Yeah? I mean, it's not... This is... I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something. No scholar can confidently, very happily answer these questions. No scholar. They're often asked, what about a platinum ring that I buy for my husband? That, that, that classic one. Okay? We say, yeah, it's permissible. But... I want you to yani, think, if people are seeing platinum and that platinum is making that guy feel in a certain way, whatever, whatnot, then that becomes a, prob- a problem. In general, platinum is not going to make a man feel effeminate. It just feels, makes a man feel expensive. And then we go back to the, the issue of the last few weeks. Is there a problem in spending a lot of money or feeling expensive? No. It's just not, there's nothing prohibiting feeling expensive or spending a lot of money. Gold is not prohibited for males because it's expensive. Or it's showing wealth. It's because of its effeminate effect that it leaves upon the male psyche and practical disposition, etc., etc. Okay? Yeah. I have a weird scenario. So if, let's say there's a guy who has long hair and it's curly. They recommend um, that anybody who has like, long or curly hair sleep on a silk or satin pillowcase to, so that it's not like matted the way that a cotton pillowcase would. So is that saying that like let's say he just doesn't want to do his hair every single day because that that's a feminine. So he wants to get the pillowcase, but then he's caring too much about his hair. Is that also like? So so um, uh, without saying that, basically there is some idea out there that you know folks with uh, long hair and whatever uh, that silk uh, basically does not ruin the whole kind of the style of it and saves on time and whatever of redoing it again so would that be a permissible use of it as you will see from the exceptions i don't think that that's an acceptable use 
doesn't come under a need, doesn't come under a difficulty, doesn't come under the, the different ones. And we'll argue, we'll argue for a minute. We'll argue his uh, uh, case in a minute. So just to finish off this particular part before we come to the exceptions, the Sheikh says, وَمَا هُوَ أَكْثَرُ ظُهُورًا عَلَى Okay, so he says that therefore, uh, and also that which is, it's not just uh, silk. Where's our translation, Sheikh? What did I do with it? Yeah. Uh, garments made of silk, or that which the majority of it appears to be from silk. Okay, meaning that if there is therefore, so what, what does majority mean? Fifty-one percent, isn't it? We we've covered yani, the numbers before. Yes, this is, we said about vanis and shak and this and akthar and kada. So fifty-one percent. Once you hit that number. Or in the reality, because you're never going to be able to cut it down to one percent. But when the majority of it looks like that it is made of silk, then it takes the ruling of al-kul. Okay, and that's according to a number of scholars, because there are some you know issues here. Anyway, then the sheikh says, um, wearing silk. Just he makes just a point. What kind of sin is it? Yani, is it a, a minor sin or is it a major sin? Yani, or What do you think? Kabair? Sagair? Okay. So the Prophet ﷺ in a hadith, he said, Man labis al harira fi dunya lam yalbishu fil That whoever wears silk in this dunya will not wear it in the akhirah. Hadith which is narrated by Bukhari and Kitab al Libas. Okay. So, question. What kind of statement is being made here? Because one of the signs that we know of a kabira, a major sin, is where there's a threat, a wa'id. Okay? Is this hadith a threat? Yes? yes? What do you, yani, uh, 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 what, what are the possible understandings of this hadith? There's two ways you can see, like, you know. Go on, Bob, say it first. Anything that you're getting, if you're going to get barred from anything from Jannah, yep. that's, that's a negative. That's a negative. That's, that's a negative. punishment effectively. Is a punishment? Yeah. Is it? It's a privilege which is taken away. Is a privilege in Jannah, is a privilege in Jannah that's taken away. Does that fit with the Jannah model? The level. You might be saying, but it's not going to Jannah. Level of Jannah. So this was the opinion of a number of the scholars. That this, the meaning of this hadith is that he will not go to Jannah. Because why? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَفِيهَا مَا تَشْتَهِي الْأَنفُسِ Okay? Yani the in Jannah there are things that all the people will want. And you're gonna want uh, silk in the in Jannah. Okay, there are hadith that talk about silk so much in Jannah. And so therefore, if you are not going to wear it and you are always getting what you want, it means therefore you're not going. This is one of the meanings. Sheikh Uthameen goes into another number of different opinions. He goes, maybe it also could mean that a person will go to Jannah and the desire for it will be taken away. Does that make sense? That he will go in, he's trying to make jama'at basically. He will go to Jannah, because that's a big statement to say that a person who wears silk is not going to go to Jannah. And none of the scholars really came to this kind of conclusion in any serious numbers, okay, in terms of ulama. However, if you look at this point, he's saying, okay, maybe he will go in and the desire to actually want to have silk will be taken away. So I'll ask you a question. Is Jannah a place where we go to have our desires taken away? Well, don't you have different levels? Like, there's people who are, like, better in the land of deeds or whatever. 
So the darajat that differ in Jannah, there are certain people that will have certain things. It's a good point, isn't it? Okay. That's not better than the higher levels. There has to be some difference, right? Yeah, the difference isn't going to be the, the deprivation of things that exist in this earth. Sheikh Walid, how do you answer this in forever? Tell us, Sheikh, because Sheikh, of course, has a class on, on Jannah in forever. How do you answer this question? How do, you, how, do we practically, uh, how do we practically explain to folks the difference in in what people are getting when everyone is getting what they want at the lowest level? Uh, basically, uh, you have similar cases. Like Sheikh, you know what? It's your time to come up anyway. <laughs> so you might as well come now. Tadal, Sheikh. No, no, no. Seriously, it's your time anyway. We had, we had, we had the thing. You remember? It's a similar. Case. Don't try it. Don't try it. Tadal, Sheikh. Yeah, come on. We can't hear anyway, Sheikh. Come on, Tadal, Tadal, Sheikh. Come on. Don't let me get up. Just think about the one who said the lower level of Jannah. The lower level is artificial. No, 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 don't sit down. Don't sit down. The camera doesn't go there. The camera doesn't go there. You can't see on the camera, Sheikh Alayhi. Okay, come this way. Come this way. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. There is a similar case to this, which is the one who drinks alcohol. That the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also told us that he will not drink from the khamr of the dunya, of the jinn. He will not begin. And the ulama rahimahullah said that this is a punishment for that person if that person doesn't repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I think the strongest way is to look at that is to say that he will be prevented from that. So it's umum khusus. Everybody gets to, to wear the silk except those who wear the silk in the dunya and never repented from it and it's never forgiven to them that sin uh, because of their tawbah that they will be punished by not having to wear the silk. Um, the issue of uh, he will not desire the silk and stuff like that are very hard for me to see this is a very good argument. Uh, it's the same way when people try to, for example, say he will not desire the khamar he will not desire to enter from Bab al-Rayyan. Because as we all know, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Bab al-Layyad khul minhu illa sa'imun. But many a hadith said, Yad khulu min ayya abu abu al-jannati thamaniya sha'a. So some scholars said the same logic. They said he will not desire to enter from Bab al-Rayyan. And this way it doesn't make much sense actually to me at least. Because it's very hard to twist it this way. What it make more sense with the consistent message in Sharia is that this is umu and this is khusus. So this is basically an exception made to the rules. And uh, I just want to also uh, mention just a couple of uh, points. Uh, just to understand the counter-argument. Uh, for example, those ulama who said that the artificial silk um, just one did. second before we go back to that. Yeah. Just uh, Sheikh Uthameen, um that was his chosen position. He said that it is um, that he will lose the desire for it. But he also just for 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 you know so that everyone knows, he also said or and he said Allahu a'lam that he will not get it for a little while. Ilamudda, yani it will be taken away from him a long time. And he just also gives an interesting example, which I think works against him 
Wallahualam. He said the example of a person who has no desire for it is like the one who's ill. And there's a great food. I saw this yesterday. I went to visit someone who was sick in hospital. And, you know, I was saying, listen, let me save you from this yani, nonsense that you're eating. I'm going to bring you some great food. He goes, you know, I don't like it. And that's not him speaking, you know. He's, that's not him. I know that yani, when he comes out, he's going to smash that food. He's going to love it. And so what's happened there? He's lost his sense of taste yani, for that type of food. So Sheikh then he says, he goes, this is naqsan fi ma'akali. Yani, this is a deficiency in himself to actually appreciate the beauty. But he doesn't feel any negative as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he, for him, that's just all that he knows. Now for me, and I think also for you, this is still a deficiency. It doesn't fit yani, with the model of Jannah that a person is, yani, you know, doesn't have that everything ability that, yeah, that but, he wants. But who said that you have everything that you wish in Jannah? That's not true statement. Uh, that's not the generality of it. It's not true statement. Because what if I wish to be in the prophet state or level? I think, I think that there are that can't happen. There is tens of examples, not only one, that I can tell you it's not going to happen for you and Genesis. If you, <laughs> it just it doesn't take it literally like that. But aren't those mostly theological and ideological? Like it's not going to be material, is it? You will get everything that you materially yeah, no, want. you will not have higher level. You will not, for example, you, you, where this desire came from, you will not desire to be in higher level. Right. So you are in, in six. You're not going to desire to be in a hundred. You're not going to desire, because what you have at level six, let's assume, is completely satisfaction. So the same thing. Whatever clothes you will be giving, even if it's not made of harir, of harir al-jannah, you will feel very satisfied with whatever you have. That you don't even feel, have that desire to yeah, go higher. And you will not what it like Yeah. The hadith ibn Majah. No one feels that he's less. So that's why you don't why do we desire things that we don't have? Because I feel like I'm missing it. I so this is not exist. You feel like you're the best. That's why at the, the lowest level in Jannah, he thinks that he's the highest. It's just an interesting feeling. It just it's it completely different than what we have here. That's why it's kind of hard to grasp that. And I, I explained that in forever. Hmm. So what I've got is this. And then this is the extent of my desire. Yeah. What I can even perceive as a desire. This is basically what you're saying. Yeah. But it doesn't. You can't take that literally. Like everything can be desire will be take, given. The thing we said before about the about the silk. So if a person is a sin, right? It's a sin. A person you said you know he should do tawbah in the dunya, then he can have that in the jannah. Yes. But if he doesn't do tawbah, then he will be mahroom from that. Now, what about the person if he? Or there is a. I was going to say also, ulama uh, rahimahullah said, or someone like istahallahu, uh, yani he never cared for it and he feels it's okay and like uh, it's not someone who feels it's a sin. And Al-Bayhaqi mentioned something to similar to that as well. Yeah, and what Sheikh is trying to say is that it's not simply just the fact that he wore silk, but there had to be associated other things with it as well mm-hmm. to be able to get this particular punishment. But this statement, Sheikh, does it not uh, contradict uh, that a person, only the tayyibun, 
Tahirun, they'll, they'll be the one only entering Jannah, meaning the person will be punished in the fire before for his sin, and then he will be pure from that, and then he'll enter the Jannah. Do you yeah. get the point? Yeah. Because it's a sin. It's a sin from the hadith here. So whether it's a Sahir or Kabir, uh, but the person, rather than making him uh, mahroom from the actual silk itself in the Jannah, why this person not be uh, purified from the hellfire? That person is that because of the mercy Allah subhanahu wa mercy is taking over, or is it just because he's been allowed in there without being purified, and now he will be mahroom from that? Because that doesn't really make sense. It does, uh, as you know, people on Jannah are levels according to their deeds. So you you can equal, you can treat them equal. So the one who left this for the sake of Allah, who didn't touch the khamar, who didn't touch the soul, no doubt it's in higher level than the one who did. So even, even when the, even the in Jannah, it make any, it makes perfect sense. So being punished for it, or even not punished, being forgiven, your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. It doesn't mean that you know, you're going to be it, as high as yeah, someone else. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be specifically held accountable for this. Because there is a nas in it. There's a khusus. Sheikh Naam, the artificial... Yeah, I, I want to say but for the artificial, uh, those who allowed the artificial because they said, al-harir. The actual silk itself, so the fact that is the reason for its haram. That's why not perception, not what its effects, not X, yeah. not Y. Just the fact that it comes from this silkworm, that it has been made from this this thing, the silk itself. So the silk itself is the reason for making this haram. It's not because it's feminine or non-feminine or anything like that, or it looks or perceived like what uh, Shaykh Nazar just said. Um, the hadith in the Bukhari that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam forbade sitting on it. So sitting on it has nothing to do with being feminine or not feminine. That's the illa in it, it's because it's harir. So if it is harir, it's not allowed to be used. One of the hikam, like the Shaykh earlier said, there is a difference between the illa and the hikam. One of the hikam, it is because it looks feminine. But I, I just give an example that I have seen. Uh, silk clothes uh, in Malaysia, for example, and that part of the world, and it's not feminine. It's actually their this long dress that they wear. For males. Yeah, for males. Real silk. Yeah, I mean, no, it's artificial uh-huh, silk, most uh-huh. likely, but it doesn't look like a feminine. You know, so it looks like just a nice, a, a nice high quality male, high quality male uh, uh, kurta. You know, I don't know what they call their yep. their thing, and it's artificial silk, and it it doesn't look feminine. Maybe a shirt, like in a Western kind of, you know, clothes, maybe it kind of looks, but I can think of certain examples that I have seen, artificial silk that can be not necessarily look feminine even. Um, the point is it's very difficult to make it haram without a nasr. Yeah. yeah, that's why that's why they said artificial um, uh, silk cannot take the silk. Also, since the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, هَذَانِ حَرَامٌ عَلَىٰ ذِكُورِ أُمَّةِ حَرَالُ الْإِنَاثِهِمْ These both are haram for my man, for the men, and halal for the woman. Then the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made exception for the harir. That's right. He said, إِلَّا هَكَذَا I think, yeah, did you cover that? No, 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 it's coming yeah, next so week. So that's also the same thing. 
based on this hadith, al-ulama rahimahullah allowed qalilu al-dhahab, that the small amount of gold, if it is part of the zina, will be allowed. It's like the small amount of harir. It is allowed. They made the qiyas, the analogy, uh, based on this hadith. I just want you to understand their perspective, where they're coming from. So they said, since the Prophet made an exception, harir, and the harir and the dhahab came together in the hadith, so also the, the, dhahab, the gold can be made an exception for it. And there is another issue also that's very interesting is, is that means using gold in any form, in any fashion, haram. You know, uh, we know for sure it's not allowed as a utensils like what you covered before. And you know for sure it's not allowed for men to be a jury. Okay? And uh, one of the things that I think it's worth looking at in modern days, that the concept of jury today has become very, like, watch would you consider a jury? You know, it, it's an interesting debate. Okay, a pen, do you consider that a jury? Like a tooth. Yeah, tooth is different case. Out. Tooth tooth is different because the Nabi Sallallahu allowed Arfaja to put a nose made of the gold. So the Nabi Sallallahu allowed him when he put a silver, his the top the tip of his nose was cut off. So he put a silver and it became rotten because silver is not pure usually it's mixed with other elements. So Nabi Sallallahu said, put gold on the tip. So the tooth and the, the nose surgery, like cosmetic surgery, is a different case. But let's say uh, the issue of pen, you know, like uh, is that allowed? Is, you know, is that considered even a jury uh, pen today? And in my opinion, I don't know what I would love to hear, what you think. I think this is all today using, especially in a it depends how you use it, but in most of the cases, people use it as a form of jewelry to beautify themselves. That's why I, I, I love what Sheikh Al-Islam rahimahullah, when he discussed the issue of uh, how much of gold is allowed to be used. And maybe this is a little bit different understanding for me from the word istihala here means. I have a different understanding for the word istihala. Shaykh al-Islam rahimahullah said, uh, yes, we look at the amount, how much of gold is involved. Is it a lot or a small? But he mentioned something very interesting. He said, we have to look at al-maqsood of isti'mal. What is the gold is used for? So I heard uh, the doctor of man just saying earlier, uh, appearance. And he said, the underwear doesn't appear. Actually, it appears. Appearance here, it doesn't mean appear to the public. Appear, it means you can see it. But what is, doesn't appear, it's when you have inside this watch. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, the cogs. Yeah, cogs. Yeah. The part of the... the, of the, yeah, the, 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 the basically, what's inside your watch. Cogs. Yeah. The ulama said, cogs. if this is made of gold, it's a lot because it's not appear. So it's cover, it's not something, it's basically inside. So what I, I think Shaykh Sallallahu is saying, it depends. So if the gold is used for the purpose of purification, it doesn't matter, it became haram. But if it's not meant to be hilya, and it was part of it, and it's not the main use of the item, 
It is a lot. Okay? So, um, if it will change part of it, and the, the example that they give, or this argument, where it came from, from the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam telling us that it's not a lot for you to drink from a cup made of what? Gold or silver. But still the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what did he do? Fixed it. He put that crack, he filled it with what? With silver. Why would he allow that? It is still considered a metal cup. Nobody will say this is a silver cup because that piece of silver did not change the reality of the cup as a ina hadib, as a cup made of iron, cup made of whatever metal that was. You see what I'm saying? But if you put so much decoration, so much fill, it, it will say that's a a, a silver cup, a gold cup. Okay? So if if this is the case, that became haram. But if it is very small, doesn't change the, the entity of it to become a gold, a gold uh, let's say a gold watch, and it's a gold uh, pen, or let's say the, the, the head of the pen only made of gold will be allowed, because it doesn't say that's a pen, gold, a gold pen, uh, and so forth. As for other than that, uh, Shafi rahimahullah is the most lenient yani, madhab in this, and the Sanani as well, and other ulama. They said, Nabi sallallahu he forbade, he said, La tashrabu, and he didn't say, La tasta'milu. So they said, it's used. But I, I think this is like, but I just want to be aware of the Shafi'iyah, very lenient in this area. And, you know, for them, it, it became another issue of israf, but but if if you're gonna follow that path, I don't see how strong argument this is because would you allow a, a car painted with gold, a rims made of gold in your car, you know, a faucet made of gold, all this like the filthy rich people do in their in their. I don't think the Sharia, principle Sharia, allowed things of that nature. Uh, but some of the ulama said, no, there is no proof for tahrim. You might say it's dislike, you might say that. But the Shafi'iyah will take that position, rahimahullah, because there is no proof to say it's haram. The proof is very strict to the eating and the uh, 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 Who remembers the position that we took? And in year, year two and three when we did this? Yeah. With that? Chopped. Shazad? Uh, for the pen? For all. Exactly what Shaykh Khalid just said. We, all of this we did this in year, year, year beginning year three. What was our conclusion? Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. It was exactly what Shaykh Khalid just said. So that's good. Yeah, so yeah, for the clothes, for the hadith, for the. I also know there is a common factor about the silk, the. the, the handkerchief. Handkerchief. Okay, they put it also sometimes comes made of silk. Um, there is a, a Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and you guys are going to study that Hadith Muhammad Allah, if I'm not mistaken, that he Naha and Hariri Ilam and all the discussion inshallah will come into it. Give that that. Give us that that. You bringing them donuts today? 
this is because Bobby had me. Anything I just want to say that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us in Surah Adam alayhi salam, in the Qusat Adam, story of Adam, that Allah said that one of the ultimate goal of the shaytan, one of the ultimate goal of the shaytan is to expose the aura of the human being. That's a goal. So his goal was to, because the jinn have no clothes on. They don't. Let's not like us. And Adam alayhi salam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, give him the clothes, dress him up, you know, libasa warisha. One of the favorite of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is upon us is to give us this ability to cover our aura, to cover ourselves. You see, animals, they don't dress animals until these modern days. We start buying clothes for animals. But before animals, they don't have clothes. Their aura is not covered. And uh, human beings are not like that. So those who want human beings to be like animals and to show their aura and to expose their aura, it just goes against what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants for us. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, and He wants the best for human beings. Uh, so keep that in mind that one of the goals of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to cover your aura, is to be covered and, and, and modest. One of the goals of the shaitan and awliya shaitan is to expose your awra. That's why yani, it, it goes against the, the pure fitra. Uh, one of the companions, Abu Darda, if I'm not mistaken, when he saw a group of people naked, uh, went to the river 
Then he said, "Lan amuta thumma umshar, lan amuta thumma umshar." Die, then resurrect. Die, then resurrect. Die and come back to life and die three times. Much easier than to do that. Just to get a strip naked and walk into the river. Today, I would have nothing like uh, almost men and women exposing their aura in many different ways. If we are supposed to cover our aura in the most pure state we can be in, which is a salah. As-salah between you and Allah, nobody else. But in the masjid. And you focusing on ibadah and dua, and you're not supposed to show your awr. So what do you think of a time of fitan and, you know, outside the salah and outside the masjid and outside the No doubt that this is also not uh, right. And uh, uh, unfortunately, this issue today of uh, exposing and... and, and and dressing, but not dressing. One of alamat al-sa'a, and this is applied to men as well. Yani some men, kasi'ari, he's dressed and not dressed. So tight, so revealing. And uh, it's really a big issue today that this, uh, the, the, the proper way of, 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 of dressing. I always say, there is no such co- Islamic dress, it means conditions. It doesn't mean style. But there is conditions has to exist um, in in our dress. So I hope, yeah, and inshallah ta'ala, and you, you, yani, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us sitr mm-hmm. and to make us able to raise our children upon ta'zeem al-awrat wal-hurumat. Yani it's, it's a big issue to expose your awra. It's, 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 it's a major issue for girls, for boys, um, and, and to be modest in the way you dress and, and and you come outside your home. So, uh, okay, so we'll, we'll close there. I think that's very yani, uh, relevant, actually. Obviously, we are doing Shurut al-Salah, and we are still in the chapter of the Aura, yani, in principle. And all of us know just how desensitized we have come to nakedness. That's the real problem. Yeah, and there's a big difference, you know, subhanAllah, that if you are speaking to, for example, you know, if a sister is speaking to a guy who's wearing, you know, shorts, short shorts, or a man who's speaking to a woman who is uncovered and wearing, you know, like a cut top or whatever, there's a difference between criticizing her and attacking her for it and saying shame, shame, you know, which is one aspect of your action and your response to her. And the much more important thing, which is the desensitizing effect is having on you in your heart. And how just, you know, soft you're becoming on the issue. And especially in school, when you're not there in this country, nakedness, in our definition, of course, is not nakedness, but nakedness of yani, places that we would all cover. That's something becoming a norm. So, Jazallah khair to the Sheikh. And, um, and uh, this society shift, yani, yes. yani, when you read... Moving quickly as well. Yeah, quickly. You read the, the, the fight over bathing suits and bikinis and stuff like that. How it, like was big, big issue before, and like, take them years. Like, there's shaitan working on people to make sure that they accept that. They became a norm, you know, it just, it's amazing how people, like, just not long time ago, you see all the, I don't know, I would assume here the same thing, but you look at the Western American, for example, ladies on here, how they dress, I was in the museums. I'm not talking about, like, thousand years ago, I'm talking about, like, 
not what less than years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forty years ago, it was like, in a good sense, I want to say also good positive things. My father, which is the generation of the forties and fifties, for Egypt, for example, he used to say, it's a common thing in Egypt that people, women, would be wearing miniskirt. That's the norm. At one point, it's a very common thing at that time. You not find Egypt today like that. Hijab, alhamdulillah, is popular. But alhamdulillah, there is like a, a, among the Muslims any good, and we should encourage that. Exactly. So, time for salah now. So, just want to say that obviously there's a lot of stuff and gifts. Please, sisters, hang about until after the salah is finished, after the sunnah nafil. Likewise, the brothers, then we'll, we'll distribute that afterwards, okay? Oh, and those guys online, um, yes, we are going to uh, do the salah. And those guys online uh, can see Sheikh Walid uh, this weekend. Uh, he's teaching torchbearers in London. So, if you haven't uh, uh, studied it, then get down this weekend, inshallah. This Friday it starts in London. Uh, go to almaghrib.org slash London. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanakallah. Alhamdulik. Next week. Not this weekend. Next week. Oh, sorry. Beg your pardon. Next weekend. No, uh, I'm this week. Amara, you have it. Manchester next week. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You got confused. So this weekend. And Amara is in... So this weekend. And Amara is in... Yes. MashaAllah, Sheikh Walid's son-in-law, Amara Shukri, will be here next weekend teaching His Majesty on the Asma'Allah Husna. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.